Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 176. The last episode we had was with, um, you're never an ex-Nuffield scholar, we're told, uh, but someone who finalised the report just last year, and that was Partheeb and Navarat Ram, goes by Theeb, great guy, completely changing so many things, started um, the, can't remember the exact term, but basically a society looking at veterinary diversity and trying to create a space for people that feel they require it because he went through a pretty pretty nasty experience. So go listen to 175 to hear that. It was um, not the nicest. It's quite an interesting discussion. We really sort of talk about why is this still an issue, really? Why why are we having issues with folks' race and whatnot? So, yeah, that's, that's what that's about with a great guy who will, at the point of release of this episode, tomorrow be getting his OBE. So very well deserved. Um, next episode we have, I don't know who it is. So we're probably about three or four weeks ahead of release at the minute. Um, I'll be arranging soon enough who the next sort of a, a, a next guest will be. But uh, yeah, one seven seven is going to be someone. We're not sure. Number one hundred and eighty, so four away, because I think I'm absolutely hilarious as a darts player. Uh, used to be number four in the world, uh, and he lives about what a mile and a half from me. So uh, yeah, we're going round to do a sort of in-person filming, which will be quite fun with Rab Smith. So that's number 180, but that's the only one I know of coming up. Um, Today is another uh, of our Nuffield cohort that I'm on, and we're just speaking off camera there. Um, One thing, we're both Liverpool fans. Liverpool are playing Fulham at the minute. So at the time you're listening to this, you'll either know how that's went, or you will know how that's went. Um, And he's very sad to be missing that, but I'm sure he's got it on in the background. Um, But we were just talking there... <coughs> um, about Nuffield and whatnot, and once we've filmed this episode, we've only got three of our cohort left, so we've got through the 24, which which took longer than intended, in fairness, which has been good, because it's really good to get to know everyone. Um, but our guest today, our guest today is Guion Parry. Guion, would you like to say hello? Yep, hi, good to be here. Looking uh, forward to being on the podcast. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. I'm glad, mate. Have you done one before? No, never. First time. First time. I did a couple of radio interviews after um, being awarded the Nuffield, but no, that was just a quick five minutes here and there. <laughs> the Nuffield thing brought a lot of that stuff out, didn't it? It's just like everyone wanted to sort of put you in their paper for a spare page. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, first off, uh, since we last met Guion, congratulations are in order. Um, some nice news after Nuffield when you were in Paris looking for a nice restaurant asking the Nuffield group uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our go-to Google now isn't it the group chat it seems to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so for those uh, listening what we're talking about there is uh, Guillaume get engaged just after the Nuffield uh, uh, conference but we have this group chat with the group of us um, who are all this year's scholars and like he says, like <laughs> you ask anything and it seems to be answered. It seems to be like we seem to have contacts to anyone. I mean, someone was actually trying to get contacts to someone like Richard Branson and someone was like, oh, 
annoys neighbor who cuts their grass or something like that or was it david beckham it was not richard branson and i'm like what is this group man who, who needs google anymore so yeah it, it was a bit like that but for those that don't know much about yourself Gwion, could you give them just a bit of background about you not even really nuffield wise just sort of you know what your background is away from that um compared to the other guys it's quite boring really so born and raised um in the Flint peninsula uh northwest wales so yeah on the family farm here um, and now I'm co-farming co the farm with the, with my parents. Um, sort of grew up locally, went to the local school, and then headed off to university in Aberystwyth to study agriculture, and then on to New Zealand then for a few months, and then yeah, just between a few jobs here and there, and um, yeah, that's it really. So um, at the moment I'm I'm a scan I'm a scanner, so I scan cattle for marbling and fat depth and ribeye area and i do it's quite seasonal work so i do that and i also farm at home so yeah you see i think so many folk come on the podcast and like yeah kind of boring don't really know why i'm here so many folks say that and then we actually sort of have a chat and we're like yeah you've done some cool stuff it's the way it always goes um the first question are you from the place that the sheep is named after or not yes yes i am so the Thin Sheep is from the Thin Peninsula. But um, funnily enough, there uh, aren't many Thins about now on the Thin. Really? No, there aren't too many here. No, I think we're sort of early lambing here, so we'd be getting started now-ish. We're about three days out, and that's the norm around here, and it's just a bit too early for the Thin. It's so, more of a... Sorry, on you go, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, the thing's probably better suited to um a bit later, so around March time and um yeah, a bit um yeah, just wouldn't quite fit hit that early land market premium, I don't think. Well we've got them ourselves up on Nile of Aaron. <laughs> so uh, do you? Yeah, 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 we do. And, and when I noticed you were from there, I wanted to ask this. Let, let's just put it to bed. You're from there. I've heard so many different ways to say it, all the way from clean to chlun. How are you pronouncing it? Say it again. Thin. Oh God, I've got, I don't even know what yeah. you're saying, man. I don't so, even know what you're saying. Yeah. So double L makes the noise in Welsh. So yeah, yeah, thin, thin, thin. Okay, I'm gonna say that wrong again by tomorrow. Um, <laughs> you nailed it there, fair play. I did. Fair enough. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, yeah. So so growing up, sort of on the farm, was was it always. So it's quite interesting to ask, was was the farm side of things always for you when you were growing up? Were you like, oh, I kind of want to work in this and I'm older or not sure? Um, you know, I can't remember, honestly. Like, I can't remember as a kid thinking uh, like for or against it. I was always outside and always helping and so on, but I don't think I gave it too much thought. It was just life, if you know what I mean. Um, but then as I got older, I think that interest grew. Um, not just farming, I think the whole industry as as a whole interested me. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's always been there, if you know what I mean. But as a kid growing up, I wouldn't say I was overly keen or not interested either. Yeah. It, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because, I mean, like some folk, some folk you bring on, it's like, nah, all I ever wanted to do is farming. And then... I mean, I'm not farming, but I'm definitely involved in the sector. It was just so far from what I wanted to do when I was younger. 
it's almost weird that I'm in it, in it now. Um, even though I was from from a farm, <laughs> um, some people just it's just what they want to do. How does how does co farming go? With the parents is it easy enough working with your parents. Do you find that fine? Um, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky we get on. Um, obviously, there's days that we don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but I'm yeah, I'm very lucky. They've always been supportive. Saying now, if I wanted to go work off farm or wanted to take more of responsibility, they've always been happy to support me either way they can, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no complaints. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. No, it's good. It's good to hear because there is challenges there. I mean, there, <laughs> there absolutely is. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't think it, it's, I think it's mainly within the agricultural industry that you work with your parents. I think it's, it's probably true on 80% of family farms, isn't it? So yeah, definitely. Yeah, it brings their own challenges, yeah. As a, as someone who's had many a night out in Aberystwyth, um, tell us tell us about your experience of Abra as you know the course as well as what is a pretty good social life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I listened to Cormac. Um, he did a podcast with you, and it was so refreshing to listen to it because he was actually honest by and he was saying that he wasn't a very good student, if you know what I mean, at university, <laughs> and I'd be the same. I'd be the same. I wasn't a model student at all. I was there for one reason, one reason only, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, very, very good nightlife there. And enjoyed myself and met great people and yeah, lifelong friends. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't, yeah, I would definitely go back if I had to choose to go back in time or yeah, do it all again. Yeah. I was actually there for a stag do again, what, four months ago? Uh, oh well, yeah. yeah 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 it was because i didn't go there but my ex-partner did um so she, oh, had, okay. she did her masters there so we went down well, well she was obviously there but i went down maybe i don't know six or seven times and i was at master stage so i was kind of past the sort of pull-on going out stage but yeah man it's just like a it's like you start going down that hill and that's you and Aberystwyth and like nothing else matters and like you're miles away from anything apart from Aberystwyth it was really cool Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I to be honest, with you, I've only been back a couple of times since I left. Really, sort of. I don't like going back because it's like, yeah, it, like I get quite nostalgic about those yeah. good times. But yeah, you'll never recreate those three years in New Zealand. Well, that's it. And and the guy I was with, it was Chris, uh, Chris's stag. Who's funnily enough, I don't even know Chris. Who, uh, well, I obviously know him. I didn't know him until two years ago when I started playing Call of Duty online with his mate. And then a year a year later, I'm invited to the wedding, you know, because we got on so well. But we went down there and uh, he was like, man, like, I have so many, so many fond memories of this place. But like that chapter's done. And it's such a good way of putting it. Because like I went to Ayr, uh, which was the sort of uni town I went to. And like, you know, so many good times, like having a few of the folks on the podcast and like just brilliant memories and whatnot. But I go back to Ayr and I'm like, nah. yeah Yeah. i think people make a night out and make good times 
Still me. And when you go back now, none of the people that were there when you were there are there. <laughs> so and no, nobody knows you, and you don't know anybody, and it's yeah, it's a completely different town. Yeah, you used to think you're important, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, no, I'm just past it. <laughs> they have a weekend in Aberystwyth. Um, it's like the last weekend of Freshers Week, which is, and they got a night. I think it's they do it on the Saturday, and it's called the Has Beens. For right. so it's for all like the previous students, and I just, I've never had the stomach to go back. I hate to think of myself as a has been. <laughs> <laughs> Still one yeah. of the young ones. One of the young ones. I know. I never yeah. know when has been appears, but in fairness, I I hit twenty seven over Christmas period, and I think that's it's got to be knocking it at twenty seven. I think. Oh, don't um, complain. I was twenty nine yesterday. Oh, we're real happy birthday for you, yesterday, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait. So wait. You were have you were you and David have the same birthday. What's the chances of that, eh? That's weird. That's weird. I, I, I know. I feel bad because I said happy birthday to David in the group chat, but I don't have you. In the group <laughs> to be chat. honest, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, I was glad that nobody noticed. <laughs> you're, you, you yourself not, not very keen on turning twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting you're getting a belated birthday uh, wish in there as well now. Um, <laughs> now tell tell us about a lot of folk who've came on here, Guion. I mean, I've had what one hundred and seventy six guests and a lot more. In fairness, and a lot of went to New Zealand. First off, why why did you go to New Zealand? And tell us about New Zealand. Um, why it's probably that happens to most students like outside of agriculture as well you finish university you've had three wild years of basically doing whatever the hell you want and it's time to grow up basically and <laughs> you just find yourself you're not quite fitting in to setting back at home and um yeah just it's a good time to go and travel really a lot of people it's not an unique unique thing to do a lot of like um, farmer, um, say, yeah, farmer, people are grown up on farms to go to New Zealand some stage, either at 18 or after university or so on. So, yeah, I went there, just wanted work, to be honest, wanted to be, yeah, wanted to get back to the habits of reality after <laughs> university life. Did you enjoy it? So, um, loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. So, I think I flew out September 2016, so it'd be about a month after graduation or maybe a couple of months after graduating. And then initially I was going to come home for lambing, which would be 1st of Feb, but ended up staying until late May in the end, just because, yeah, I enjoyed it so much. I was very lucky on the place I found work at and, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it, my time over there. Was that just working or was it working and then a wee bit of travelling later on? Or? Do you know what? That's one thing I do regret. I didn't really travel that much. I just enjoyed the... F I think because I hadn't done much farming over my three years in university, obviously over Christmas holidays, over summer, I enjoyed getting back to it. So, And because it was new when it was New Zealand and the weather's great and the amount the scale of it all every day was quite exciting if you know what i mean i i really enjoyed working so um yeah i worked quite a bit there and i was lucky enough that i worked for a company called horizon farming and um they own and lease it was six farms when i was there and i think they've gained some and lost some i don't know where they're at at the moment 
um, because the people I worked with have all sort of gone their separate ways to their own farms and so on. So I worked on three of their farms and they sort of shifted me around. So the first farm was in Central Hawke's Bay and it was just a beef and sheep finishing unit. And I was there for about three or four months and it was a quite a big team. So there was about three or four shepherds type of thing and um, I was a general shepherd and it was a good crack and yeah, yeah, very good time on that farm. And then I moved then up to Havelock North, same region really, but a bit closer to civilization. And um, yeah, over there, it was more of a breeding farm. And um, that was in a Maori trust and it was more environmentally based farming. And um, yeah, so that was interesting. And then as during my time there, they also acquired a deer farm down the road. So I got to spend some time with yeah, with farming deer over there. So, yeah, all around very good experiences and, yeah, very good people. The work, so, yeah, work-life balance and the lifestyle over there is, yeah, I think they've, they've got to spot on at the moment. What, what is the work-life balance? What's it like? Oh, just sort of during, they've got busy periods, don't get me wrong. So I arrived then, we were um, tailing. So that's just 10 or 12 days full, yeah flat out working every hour nearly. But at the end, it'd be thank you for your work over the past 12 days. And there'd be a barbecue and beers arranged for everybody in the type of thing in the workshop. Same with weaning, same with shearing. It'd be all, yeah, you, you, they were they looked after you type of thing. And because I was sort of traveling as well, or because I was, wasn't really, yeah, because I was traveling, they, they sort of looked after me a bit better. So say, I came in on the weekend. It was it had been raining all weekend, and I could have I don't know that I could have done anything. They would give me the Monday and the Tuesday off instead, or they offered me yeah type of thing. It was oh if it was quiet, they'd go oh go fishing this afternoon, and they'd hook me up with a guy down. Yeah, about a, like a mate or mate, I'll take Gwen out fishing or go and see this guy here. And yeah, they're so I think they're so welcoming over there. It's when they choose if they come over to Wales, I've got a lot of ping back to do. No, that's brilliant. And here, pretty good pun there. If you go out fishing and hook hook we on up, um, the <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, one one question that sprung to mind when you were talking sheep. Yeah, was it four four shepherds or three shepherds, and then yourself? How how many yeah. sheep was that for? So, because it was a finishing farm, there was about six thousand ewes, but they'd be buying in about ten thousand store lambs, probably a bit more. Can't remember correct, but it was yeah. It was quite big scale, and what not massive for New Zealand, obviously. Um, they'd be everything really from Primera to Romney type of thing. It would be the yeah big heavy use eighty kilo use type of thing, and um, yeah, it was the manager was a real operator. I think they won um, New Zealand best lamb suppliers. I think something like three or four times in a row. Oh wow! And I was there during that. I was there during that period. So. Yeah, just the attention to detail with dagging the lambs and weighing them. And I think when I send lamb from lambs from this farm at home here, <laughs> and yeah, I'd be lucky to send one good load as yeah as good as they sent over there. All the lambs would be identical and same weights and spotless, clean and healthy. It was yeah, it was superb. And I always sort of think there's a bit of a perception that 
you know, with with high high numbers, detail and care can't be there. But it's just not the case. It's just not, and these places prove that time and time again. You know. Yeah. Well, having said that, I think because I was, I couldn't believe how healthy the stock was and so on. And think the difference was, I think they were farming the twenty times as much land as I we do at home here. But with and they all, but they only had five times more stock, or it was something. It was something. Yeah, it was. No, I'm wrong there, but yeah, the difference. They were much. They are lower stock than we were. We we would be in the UK. Yeah, no, brilliant. And you only hear good things when folk go out to New Zealand. Or you hear the odd bad thing, but I mean that's just natural. But yeah, you always hear good things. And just a quick update for you: Liverpool are one 0 up. Lewis Diaz scored about ten minutes ago. Get in. <laughs> um, so coming back is is sometimes a challenge for folk going on, but you've you sort of jumped in at home, as you said. So before you get into your, your sort of own business, could you tell us tell us about home? What sort of numbers and what breeds and what stock are you running? Um, so early stocking meals, as I mentioned earlier, they'd be textile meals and stuff like meals. Um, so we'd be lambing now in a four week period, all housed, and then um, yeah, trying to hit that early spring lamb market um cow wise we've been stabilizer multipliers for the past 20 plus years we got yeah. in real quick yeah like the year after they came to the country type of thing and um yeah we'd be running about 120 cows calved down type of thing and then selling breeding stock when we can from those um in terms of the farm we don't grow any arable at home at all it's all permanent pasture um yeah, just trying to keep things simple, really. That's um, the idea. So I've always worked from farm, and both my parents have worked from farm um, all their lives, really. So we've had to make sure that the system is um, easily managed, if you know what I mean. So just in order to free us up to go out and get a salary or, yeah. So he's all working elsewhere, yeah? As well, um, not my parents are recently retired, so they're not now, but yeah. they have been basically through all their lives. And, um, yeah, I'm probably I'm self employed now, obviously, with um, the scanning company, but um, yeah, this is probably the most time I've ever spent at home just because I'm it's quite seasonal what I do. I've had full time jobs, yeah, since New Zealand, really. When folks say scanning, yeah. you, you normally think yeah. pregnancy scanning sheep, um. Is very much not what you're doing. How did you get into what you're doing? Because it's a very interesting one, and actually, well, for the viewers as well, explain what it is you are doing. Um, so I believe every breed are asked to do it. I don't think it's compulsory for some breeds, but we do it as stabilizer breeders. We scan the cattle um, for fat depth, um, ribeye area, and marbling at between three and four hundred days old. And then from for genetic evaluation, basically. So you could have, say, two identical animals, same weight, same size, everything the same. But one could have a, and been, yeah, raised the same and everything, exactly the same living conditions, same diet. But one could have 3% more marbling, you could say, or a larger ribeye area, or more fat depth. And surely those are the animals you want to breed from so 
that's the idea about the scanning. So we do it, we do it on our herd and have been doing it for the past six or seven years, probably. But it's been happening in the UK for much more, um, longer than that. But um, yeah, we probably that's yeah, probably six or seven years ago, and um, it was getting difficult getting people down here to do it. So I initially put my name down to do the. You have to do a test, um, and then yeah, about a year later I got on it, and then um, yeah, went from there. Really started myself, and um, wasn't really keen on the technologies being used here in the UK. So um, stabilizer being originally from America, I contacted them to see what they were using over there, and with help from the stabilizer. Society, that society, but the stabilizer company in the UK, they helped me basically go out there in um, last January, it was, yeah, to Colorado to see the technology being used over there. And I bought the scanner over there and brought it back home. And then, yeah, started straight away, really. What is it? Well, I, not what, that's the wrong word. Is it just stabilizer? Is it just folk with stabilizers that are using it? Or are you, you getting folk? No, no. Um, so it was to begin with, because I was, uh, of, um, a stabilizer multiplier myself. So I've had probably a customer base there already when I started out and the, being the stabilizer multiplier. So I did them, but every single breed records, I'm, I'm doing Charlie's now I'm doing Hereford's I'm doing, yeah, all sorts. I'm, I'm, I'm doing commercial guys as well. So, um, we've got a farm about two hours away from here at home and um, quite well-renowned organic farm and they sell, they've got a huge brand and they sell everything through a mass, through a farm shop and they've also sell directly to restaurants um, in London and yeah, it's it's a big company type of thing and they sell about, it's about 30 or 40 animals a month right. to, um, they've got a contract with the supermarket but I go in and scan them for them before they go, and anything with a higher with a higher bracket marbling, they keep to go through the farm shop and to the restaurants in London. And um, yeah, it works well for them. They've had new customers just because, uh, from my yeah, or from, I think they'd be the only ones recording that as a commercial farm. If you know what I mean, they're probably the only ones that could actually declare the marbling of the animal before it's killed. <laughs> And what is the scanner like? You know, I've I've, I've seen a phrase just, the scanner. It, I know what it looks like. What's it showing? Yeah, it's, um, so it's ultrasound like a pregnancy scanner. It's um quite a small. It's like a laptop, like an old thicker laptop, basically. And I've got a probe, and then I hold it um against the animal, and you will come see. You you can see the rib by photos perfectly. Like it looks like what you have, what you get on your plate in the restaurant. Oh, really? Basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, with a with a marbling, I actually take those across three ribs, so you just see, yeah. And you, me being, I've done quite a lot of cattle now. You can actually see the marbling. I know when something's good marbling score, not and the same with fat depth, really. Yeah. So do you do you give it a number or whatever for a marbling? No, score? no, no. So. The the technology in the UK that's been widely used in the widely used in the UK over the past yeah many decades is um a old heart monitoring from right. like human heart monitoring system and they've got like a tiny you know like old computers have like a like a ball in in the um 
like in the keypad, so in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. keyboard, and you just like a mouse, and then you scroll it, and then you do the measurements on that, and it's yeah from the nineteen eighties or something, and there's only like six left in Europe, and when they break, it's over type of thing. So yeah, I didn't see one. I couldn't get my hands on one, and um, two, I don't don't see what happens when they break. What so the UK really had to move forward with times and invest in new technology so when i went to colorado i met up with a company called ultra insights and this is all that they do it's massive in the us just because they get paid so beef producers they get paid on marbling and so on so like and everything above eight is prime beef and anything between two is your select and what have you so a lot of people breed for marbling and a lot of people um scan their fat cattle before sending them off just to make sure they're actually cooked if you know what i mean plenty of marbling on them so scanning is huge over there so ultra insights have the technology they have the software that um records it um that like analyzes the pictures i send so i go on farm now i take photos that's what i do so i freeze frame when i'm in the correct location mm-hmm. and then i send all the photos then off to the states and then they send the results back to me within yeah forty eight hours. It's quite a smooth operation. They've got quick turnaround. Fair play to them. Brilliant, brilliant. And is are you seeing the popularity in it grow since you started, or is it sort of just as was? Um, I haven't been in the game long enough to tell you. Um, really? yeah. So I don't know what to say. There's definitely a lot of people. I think there was only four scanners in the uk right and that's it and i think those of those four i think three of them traveled to like abroad to do some as well so um when i did the accreditation four of us passed so there's now another four but there were only five machines to go around everybody so (laughs) i think there's only five scanning now now my and now myself so yeah there is work out there. Um, it's just a matter of time where... It's, and, yeah, once now the grading system changes overnight now and we go to a Australian-type system or a Japanese-style system or US-type or anything, including eating quality, yeah. scanning will take off because it will be one of the primary things that people look at when they look at a set of EBV figures. Sure, Jock will be looking at that in his scholarship. <laughs> I think he mentioned yeah. that exact thing. Um, speaking of Nuffield, Guion, the reason you and I came in contact was because of Nuffield. Um, tell us, tell us about your Nuffield scholarship. I mean, I, I've asked everyone this, and I'll ask you the same thing. Why did you choose to do Nuffield first? Why did you choose that? Um, I don't know. I've always known about it and I've always been interested and I've read a few reports every year, a couple of reports every year and um, yeah they say do enough field when you're at your busiest don't they? Yeah they do. So yeah, yeah so yeah I can't be much busier than I'm currently renovating an old chapel into a house I'm getting married <laughs> Just started a company, so yeah, why not do enough field as well? Um, yeah, but no, nah, I think yeah, but um, more more so than that, I just um, a lot of great enough field scholars before my before me have done a lot of great work on 
eating quality in beef and great the grand just questioning the grading system we have at the moment and i hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the r2 cast with another really interesting guest i would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today the scottish farmer and i would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry nothing's really come to fruition from those and those reports are yeah they're probably better than anything i that i'll produce but i just thought there must be a reason what that nothing's changing and nothing has changed over the past 20 years so um yeah hopefully i haven't had a chance I'm, i want to contact there's four or five of them who have done the same subject type of thing and i'd love to contact them and just yeah make sure that their work and my work actually changes something and it, what, yeah. what's the exact or maybe not exact title i don't think any of us know her title exactly but what's the sort of rough title of yours Ian? um it's the disconnection between eat and quality in the beef industry right. so saying like the grading system that we have has no weight at all on the eating quality yeah the eating quality experience of the consumer or yeah it just doesn't and australia and japan and the us already have it and we're still on this euro upgrade that's european but we're out we're out of europe and yeah it just doesn't make sense at all and i think with the free trade with australia now yeah, farmers' first concern was that they would be able to um, produce beef cheaper than we could over here. Mm-hmm. But that, but because of the grading system and they've prepared for or they've bred for eating quality over the past so many years, my main concern is that the beef will be of higher eating quality and consistency, which... Yeah, will be a prop, probably a nail in the coffin for the beef UK beef industry if we don't change something. Yeah, and I think as an industry, it's quite but guilty of saying it's the best in the world. And I think there's been cases, and there is a lot of cases, and we are in a lot of times that is the case. But you're right. <laughs> the longer the sort of rest on laurels, and let's say it is the case currently. I don't know if that's strictly the case, but let's say it is. Um. And then other ones are chasing or already just accelerating how far ahead they are. It's worrying. So, no, I totally get it. I think it's an important one. How, how, well, I know, not how. What's what's the plan for um, where you're going and sort of how to do it? Um, If I was, yeah, I think Exeter made me think a bit different and obviously being involved within a field, like different scholars and so on now has made me think differently. And confused me a bit, probably. But initially, I wanted to go to Australia, Japan, and and um, this the states for obvious reason. For what I've just said now, for they to see what how they create their beef and so on, and how could that work over here? But in true Nuffield fashion, I'm trying to think of an obscure country I could go to now where they have the best eating quality beef, and nobody's heard of it, that type of thing. I think that's that's the fashionable thing to do as a Nuffield, isn't it? Well, it. It seems to be, but also, it was the it was the thing in my head as well. Like I almost, I almost started and was like, I am not going to America, Australia, New Zealand. I'm not doing it, right? Yeah, I, was, I, I started with that mentality. Um, okay. Yeah, 
but I think I might have to go to New Zealand and America in fairness. But <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, by now I might just get a map of the world in front of me and just check the data at it. And yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> you know what? There's something there's something quite nice about that thought in fairness because like I don't mean in general. I mean I think there's some countries for for certain things that you have to go to. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's going to be worth in everywhere. And and there's part of me wants to do that. I mean, I threw Ethiopia and Kenya in last minute because I love Tanzania and Rwanda. It was the only reason. I was like, oh, let's do some more of that, you know? Um, they still have agricultural education there. <laughs> so I uh, yeah. totally get it, man. I totally get it. Um, have you have you thought of any other countries or not yet? <clears throat> no, no, not yet. No. I'll um I'll probably be picking some brains in Brazil just to see what yeah, putting some feelers out there just to see what people say and see people recommend uh, yeah as you said Nuffield comes up with some strange answers to simple questions sometimes yeah when I think steak I think Brazil and Argentina which yeah a British person is worrying but it's the case you know yeah and I don't actually know if I've ever had a Brazilian or Argentinian steak but by god I can't wait to try one in March but it's what it's what jumps out and is that is that maybe on thought you're obviously going to brazil anyway but you're not really gonna have much chance to do your own thing that's the that's why i was a bit gutted that the the global csc was in march because yeah. march I, I can't really be from the scanning and lambing and sure. starting calving and everything it's just it's the worst possible time for me to go to brazil so yeah um We'll see. I'd love to go back there. I'd love to go back to South America and discover more. But as you say, they're the beef powerhouse of the world, aren't they? So, and yeah, from compared to Australia and the States and Japan, they're not quite as developed as countries. So, they're probably the, the them being a beef powerhouse. It's down to more than just scale, I'd imagine. You know they must be doing something, right? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> you sort of you're doing a similar you know yourself and Jock are doing sort of I know all agriculture is to a point food based but really sort of the food side I was um, when we were listening to uh, I can't remember her name that's terrible Elizabeth <laughs> the lady who done the um, the farm to glass uh, presentation I don't know if you were at, at Exeter if you were the other one at the time but she basically said hers was on, you know, creating a creating a market for liquid products, whether that's different forms of nut milks, milks in general, wines, whatever. Um, and she was like, it just turned out that I just tried a load of wine around the world. I feel like you're going to get the chance to just try a load of steaks around the world. And I think I've chosen <laughs> one topic, like <laughs> just having yeah. like Wagyu in Japan and whatnot. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the plan. Yeah, it's just it's one of the perks of the job, isn't it? Really. Yeah, gotta take them, man. Gotta take them. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot going on. You said your life was boring, and it's clearly not the case. Like that, that you you've just said you're one of four or maybe five people doing something in the country. Like it's not like you, you're uh, you're just a, a completely average Joe. It's just it's clearly not the case. Um, your Nuffield sounds interesting. I uh, much like everyone else. Look forward to following it, sort of seeing where you end up and seeing, seeing where it takes you and whatnot. And try not to post too many photos of the food that I can't get to eat. Um, <laughs> but no, here, Guion, it's it's always good fun to to have a chat with someone. The time always sort of flies by. It's already been forty five minutes, and you've not been watching the football. Well, if you have, you've been hiding it quite well. 
Um, <laughs> the uh, as we sort of come to to the end of a podcast, I always ask everyone two questions, um, which nobody ever likes. <laughs> uh, there's one that that I'm personally not a fan of, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, the two questions I ask everyone near the end are are uh, one, where do you see yourself in five years? As you've just said, um, thirty four, and uh, two. If you had any advice for people coming into farming, what would it be? Oh, thirty four. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, in terms of um, to so if I stick on a nephil subject, I'd love to be farm still farming, maybe farming a bit more. Um, within an industry that has a new grading system and have more. Um. Yeah. So, a more forward-thinking way to market beef or to grade our cattle, and um, I think the changes will have to come just because of the pressures from above at the moment. Um, we're lucky in the UK that our native breeds are the best for what I'm talking. <laughs> Otherwise, because when you go to American, Australia, and so on, they They've inherited our native breeds and we've sort of let them go over the years. Yeah. And bringing some continental types. And I think um we're lucky that we still we do have the cattle that can thrive in this environment. And yeah, so in five years I'd love to be working in an industry where the beef, the UK beef is in a better place and it's actually competing. It can't obviously compete on scale, but definitely within compete on quality globally. And um yeah, still farming at home, and um, yeah. Otherwise, I'd be that. Yeah, I'd be a happy man if that was true. And obviously, married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've just got that in there. Just got in there. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Um, second question. But yeah, could you ask it again for me? Please? Yeah, no, of course, mate. Of course, it's just like if you were to give advice for folk that were just coming into or thinking about coming into farming. <laughs> Um, I'm in no place at all to give opinions to someone from outside of agriculture coming in, just because that I was born in it and born and raised in it, like as were yourself type of thing. We've never had to experience coming into a brand new industry, if you know what I mean. But the closest thing that we had was actually finishing school or finishing education, having to step up or taking responsibility and so on. And if that's the case. I would encourage anybody that's actually coming home to farm or what have you to leave the farm, to actually leave and go and see other places and so on. I think the most I've, yeah, my passion's grown in agriculture more outside of the home farm probably than it has at home, mm. just because you're meeting brand new people and you're seeing success stories. And even when you're seeing stories that things aren't going good and and you're doing a better job at home, that even makes you feel better. So, yeah, go out and see different farms and experience different things within the industry. And, um, yeah, I think you can always come, like, the, the the home farm will always be there. So that's the advice I'd give. I think it's brilliant advice, and I think a lot of folks maybe fall victim to, to not doing that. And I'm not saying they get stuck in ways, but, you know, if, you're just doing is what mum and dad say or what sometimes gran and papa say it can be quite good to sort of fly flee the nest and sort of see what's out there so no I'd yeah agree. even if it's just a, yeah even if it's just a day out so have you i've 
visited hundreds of farms during my period as a very, very bad salesman, sales rep. So um, even then, like there was just a 10 minute chat with some, a dairy farmer or someone who's growing potatoes or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's just giving you a different way of thinking and just seeing what's out there. No, definitely. Definitely, mate. Here, listen, it's been a good episode. Appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man. I know there's football on the go, but uh, I hope you've enjoyed it yourself. It was the first one you'd said, so um, hope it wasn't yeah, too nah. it, was, it was grand. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for oh. guiding me on my maiden voyage. <laughs> that's it mate that's it here if I'm the person guiding you in your maiden voyage you get a problem that boat's definitely going to sink um, <laughs> pretty much a Titanic story waiting to, that, to happen that but uh, no thank, thank you Guion appreciate it um, for those of you listening that's been Guion Parry another one of the cohort as I said uh, of our Nuffield squad that at the time of this being released will be we'll all be heading to to Brazil in three weeks actually so uh yeah it's all getting quite close all quite exciting um and that's just reminded me i should probably get the jags i need to get but i am absolutely petrified of needles so i don't know if i'm going to i've actually i'm quite lucky um we on as i say this people were talking about their yellow fever passport i have it here and the reason i have it here on top of my desk where nothing else sits is because I am so scared of injections and needles and stuff. I refuse to get it again. It's a once in a lifetime thing. So um <laughs> that that'll never be moving apart from when we head to Brazil. But thank you very much for coming on, mate. For those of you listening, um the last episode again was uh Thebe with uh talking vets, Nuffield, diversity and agriculture, fair trunk there. The next episode, as I said, I don't know, but I'm guessing is going to be Polly Hilton, <clears throat> who is um actually no, that's not true. It won't be it'll be someone else because we're filming that quite a bit in advance of now so I don't know who's coming on we'll see who's next and we shall see you then for number 177 see you then I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today Howden Rural the new name for Aplan Rural if you follow Howden Rural on social media you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.